Okay, so we're going to pick it up from Daf Chaf Aleph Amid Beis. We are three lines from the bottom. Amr of Abba, Amr of Huna, Amr of Let's say I have three Dayanim who are sitting to certify a document. And while they're sitting down to certify, all of a sudden um, a rumor comes out about one of the Dayanim that they're puzzled. Now we'll clarify what rumor emerged in a moment. But let's say all of a sudden you're sitting down. And, and people start saying, oh, one of those Dayanim, he's, he's possible, he can't do it. So the other two eight, the other two Dayanim want to testify about him that he's kosher, so that he could make the Bezdin. So the halacha is, if before they sign together, they could testify that he's kosher. But once... All three sign. Yeah, just one second. Once all three sign, ain't me eating a love. Then the Bezdin can no longer testify about their colleague because Rashi explains their negeya bedaver, because it would be it would look very bad to sign with someone that is to join him in signatures if he's puzzle. Therefore, the fact that they signed with him, of course, they're going to testify that he's good because they, it would look really bad. Before they signed with him, they could testify about him. Yeah. Um, I, I might have missed it in the past two days. Are we only talking about <clears throat> where there's three Dianim? Like, what if there's um, the Beitin of 72? It, it would be the same. It would be the same. But over here, we're talking about three because you only need three. But yeah, conceptually, it would apply to any other form of Bezdin. So the Gemara is saying, so the Gemara is saying is that if the three Bez- members of Bezdin sit down to certify a document, and then all of a sudden there's a rumor about one of them, so two of them can testify about the third saying that he's kosher. Then they can sign. But once they sign, they can't testify anymore because it's a, it's a bad optic. It's like, of course you want him to be kosher. You signed with him already. Before you signed with him, then you could testify. Okay, that's what the Gemara says. Now here's the question. The question is, what, what um, rumor emerged about him that these people are going to testify. Again, they could only testify before they sign. Once they sign, it's too late. And they said it was to squash a rumor. Now, what's the rumor? Iridemai. Now, what is the rumor? Iridegazlanusa. If it's a rumor that he's a thief, go to the next page, meaning that a rumor emerged that this Dayan is a thief and he's Pasoledis. Now, here's the question. Trevetreinenu. Then, how, even if they testify that he's kosher, you got two people who testify he's a thief. Two people who testify, we're assuming that a rumor means there's a testimony that he's a thief. So if two people testify that he's a thief, and then these two get up and testify he's not a thief, it's two against two. Two against two, you keep status quo, you don't act on it. So how could, you can't, he can't serve on Besdom anyway. Okay, so it can't be money. Because if it's money, there's no reason to believe these two Dayanim more so than the first two that said that he's puzzled. When it's two against two, we just do nothing. We don't use him anymore. And e error let's say the testimony is not that he was a thief, but two people testified that his mother was not Jewish. So he's puzzled because he's not, he's not Roy to sit on a Bezdin. But the problem with that is, Gilin Milsev Alma, the problem with that is, that's not a real testimony, meaning then what happens, the Bezdin gets up and say, we know that he's Jewish. 
That form of testimony is what we call a gilu milsabalma. It's just revealing the information. You could figure that out through DNA or through other things. You don't need a strong form of edus. The problem with that is that if that was the concern, why can't they do that after they signed with him? Meaning, if they're if they're attesting to his character, so I understand. Once they sign with him, they're negaya. But if they're just if they're just testifying that they know that his mom is Jewish, they should be able to do that always before they sign with him, after they sign with him, because that's not the classic form of testimony where the the, the concept is like changing based on their testimony. This is just revealing what happened. They're just saying we know that mother's Jewish. He was always Jewish. The the whole thing was was a, was a sham. So. Yeah, now, so the way Rashi explains it, Rashi describes it as, because this is something that can be figured out through investigation, then even when they testify, we're not going to trust them alone, we're just going to look into it ourselves, and therefore it could be done whether they signed, before they signed, after they signed, it shouldn't dictate. So back to the original question, which is, what, what was the case where we believe these judges to testify, but they could only do it before they signed with him. So the Gemara says, Really, it's a case where where it's about, there were witnesses that said that he's the thief. And then these judges disagree with that. Ah, if that's the case, it's two against two, why do we believe the judges, more so than the first two? Because the Ka'amri Haniyadin and the Ovid Shuvah the cases where the judges don't just say that, they don't say that he's not a thief. If, if Listen, if there are two witnesses that say he's a thief, and the two witnesses say, no, he's not a thief. It's two against two. These judges said he is a thief, but he did tshuva. So because these judges acknowledge the testimony of the first people, they say, listen, we agree that he stole, but we're telling you that he did every form of tshuva to get him back into being kosher edus, then we believe them because they're not disagreeing with the first edus. They're just giving more information that even the first edus would agree. That's the point. So therefore, that's the case. But they can't do that once they signed with them because then it's negayabedavar. Because then it's 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 too convenient for them because it doesn't look good for them to sign with someone who's a thief. So we're going to assume that they're lying because they want to obviously say anything to make him kosher. Okay, the gemara continues. I'm Rav Zera. Rav Zera says, Hamilsa Rav Abba Shmile, this following thing I heard from Rav Abba, Bilav Rav Abba de Me'ako Shechachne, and if not for Rav Abba of Ako, who reminded me of it, I would have forgotten it, and that is the following halacha. Shloisha Shiyoshu L'Kayim Zashtar, you have three judges sit down to certify a document, Umeis Echamehen, and one of them died before they signed. So you have three of them were there for the authentication process, but the problem is one of them died. So what do you do? Before they signed, so you're going to have two signatures on a Bezdin. That looks very strange. Again, there was Bezdin for the certification, so it's kosher. But to officially write it on the Shtar, one of them died before they signed it. So what do you do? So says the Gemara, you see, you write the following. You write the following. We originally were three, but for the signing, there's only two. So you clarify in the document why there's only two people signing so that it doesn't look fishy. Okay. Upper Nachmer Yitzchak, Nachmer Yitzchak adds, the Iksivbe, but if it was written in the certification, Shtara Dina Nafik Likadma Beidina, 
that if you write in the certification, this certification took place in front of Bezdin, once you write Bezdin, we know there were three. Even if two of them signed, we assume one of them died. So if you write that this certification took place in front of Bezdin, the word Bezdin is written, then I know that it was in front of three people. You don't have to clarify that one of them died. I'll know that one of them died, because once you write it's Bezdin, we know. Meaning what we're afraid is, if you just see two signatures, we're afraid that these people that did it didn't realize you need a Bezdin, they thought you need a testimony. But once you write that it was done in front of Bezdin, Bezdin equals three. You don't have to clarify anymore. The Gemara says, I, Vidilma Bezdin Chotzefhava. Perhaps it was considered a Chutzpah Bezdin. The halacha is that a Bezdin requires three. According to Shmuel, this is in the beginning of Sanhedrin, Shmuel holds that if two Rabbonim sat down as a Bezdin, it bid the Avid works, although what they did was wrong. And they're called a Bezdin Chotzef. It's called a disrespectful Bezdin. So maybe really this Bezdin sign that's signed with two, unless you clarify, why aren't we concerned that people are going to say, really, there were just two people and not a third member that died. I, it says Bezdin, maybe they went with the approach that Bezdin could be two people. It's a rare, it's a rare possibility, but why aren't you concerned about that? The Gemara says, the Dilma Bezdin perhaps it was really a Bezdin comprised of only two people, and if two judges sit down, it works, so maybe you should always have to clarify, because how are we supposed to assume that it was a member of three Bezdin, perhaps it was really a two Bezdin, and not a third that died, and it was a Bezdin Chatzav. So the answer is, The case is where it was written in the Bezdin of Rav Ashi. Rav Ashi's Bezdin was considered a chash of a court, meaning the case is where it's written, this certification took place in front of a Bezdin, and insert name here, and that Bezdin was a very chash of a Bezdin. So we know that it wasn't a Bezdin comprised of two, because that would be an inappropriate act. It was a Bezdin of, you know, it was like the Bezdin of Rechai Kineski. So I know Rechai Kineski's Bezdin is not going to be messing around following a shita that's not appropriate. So the Gemara says, Just because it's the Bezdin of Rechai Kineski. By the way, there's, there's a Bezdin now of like, of Rabbanim that no longer live. Because it's, it was the Bezdin started by them, but that doesn't mean they were sitting on the Bezdin. So even if it says the Bezdin of Ravashi, how do you know that Ravashi was present? Maybe it was members of his Bezdin or people that associated themselves with him, but they happened to follow the Shita, which is wrong. So the answer is, And it says in the certification that we were told, instructed by Ravashi, to, to, to certify it. So it's clear that this was done under the auspices and the instructions of a great Rav who would never have a Bezdin of two. Therefore, if you write the word Bezdin, we know it's members of three. And if only two people sign, that means one of them died. Okay. Now, new Mishnah. This Mishnah continues with the concepts of Pesha Asar Hua Pesha Hitter, which is, again, you have a testimony where we have no information, and then you're giving us all the information, partially incriminating, and then partially reversing that, and we accept all of it. Says the Mishnah, the following cases, this is a woman who shows up, uh, we don't know anything about her, we think she's single, or we, we've never met her husband. She shows up and she says, says the Mishnah, she says, I was married, but I'm, I was then divorced. The Allah is Nemenis. Even if she doesn't supply her, her get, we believe her, meaning, and she could remarry. So if I'm freezing. I'm freezing?
right, sorry about that. That just uh, zoom dropped on me, but it came back. So we're going to restart the Mishnah. The Mishnah is talking about another case of a Peshas, a Pesha hitter. It's talking about a woman who shows up to a city. We don't know that she has a husband. We think she's single. And she says the following. She says, you should know, I was married, but I am now divorced. So she, we have no information, but she says she was married and then divorced. The halach is nemed, and she's believed. Even without showing the get, the divorce document, she's believed. And she could remarry without us investigating further because she said she was married and then divorced. We thought she was single. So it's Pesha Asar who a Pesha Hitter. However, if we know that she was married by witnesses, meaning witnesses come forward and say she's married, and then she claims she's divorced, she's not believed until she could prove a get with a get. Okay. Well, why? What do you mean? There's always going to be witnesses that gonna, that's going to see that they got married. Correct. So she has to prove that she's divorced through a get. Oh, are you saying that they came first? To, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, okay, meaning sorry, a, a woman that. comes forward, meaning a woman in the city, they're trying to figure out, she, she wants to get married, and we're like, well, what's your status? And witnesses come forward, like, we were at her wedding. And she's like, yeah, but I was divorced. Then you got to prove it. Then she has to prove it with a, with a divorce document. That's the point. So... The Mishnah says like this, another case, Umra nishbesi ani v'tahayra. Let's say a woman says, I was taken captive, but I was not touched by the captors. So we didn't have any information. So she says the incriminating information that she was taken captive, but then she says she wasn't touched by them. Nemena, she's believed, and she could still marry a Kayan. We don't assume that she was she was touched by the Goyim. But, Peshasa Peshitr, again, it's an example of Peshasa Peshitr. However, if there are witnesses who testify that she was taken captive, then then she says, yeah, but I wasn't touched by them. I'm sorry? So, does it matter which came first? Well, in all these cases, the incriminating witnesses have to come first. Okay. So if the witnesses come forward and say, she was taken captive, but then she's like, yeah, yeah, but I wasn't touched. She's not believed. And then the line, this line is a little cryptic, but we'll see what this means. If after she got married, witnesses came forward, we'll clarify what this means in the Gemara. She doesn't have to get divorced. If the witnesses came afterwards, she doesn't have to get divorced. Again, we'll clarify what that means in a moment. Okay, let's go back to in the Gemara. Now, this is the concept of Peshasa Peshitta, which we've had for a couple dafim already. Says the Gemara, Amr Ravasi, Menayla Peshasa Peshitta. What's the source in the Torah for a Peshasa or a Peshitta? So the Gemara assumes there's a Pasuk. So it's a strange, it's a strange source. I'll tell you the source and I'll tell you the problem with the source. But the, the Pasuk says, Esbiti Nasati Leisha. The Pasuk describes a process of a man. It, it's eventually describing a motzi shamer process, but the pasuk says that the father comes forward and says, "As nasati leisha, I gave over my daughter to this man." The Gemara understands that as being two different sentences. I gave over my daughter. Stop. So she's now usher to every man because you don't clarify which one. And then you say to this man, you're saying now she's mutter to this man. So it's pesha usher. Now, so it's it's incriminating information because you're saying that my daughter is 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 married. You don't say to who, so she's also to every man, including this guy. And then 
a second later, ten minutes later, whatever you say to this guy, so that you're saying no, they're married. So the halacha is, we believe that they're married. And oh, oh, I thought you already answered. It's a pesha, also pesha Now the issue with that, and Tyson points it out, is pesha also pesha hitter is usually where you have two different sentences that are not clarifying each other. They're contradictory to each other. Meaning, in our example is, I was married, but then I was divorced. I was taken captive, but then I wasn't touched. I, this, this, this land was your father's, but I bought it for him. Over here, it's just a clarification. It's saying, my daughter is married. Oh, and then they say, to who? Oh, to this man. But the Gemara understands that that's an example of Pesha Asa Pesha Hitter. Tysus doesn't, Tysus has a hard time figuring that out. Tysus deals with it. But that's the source. Okay. The problem is, says the Gemara, you don't need a source for Pesha Asa Pesha Hitter. The Gemara says, Lamali cross Svarahu, Hu Asa Hu You don't need a Pusik for it. It's Svara. Svar, it, it, it makes sense that if we're going to believe you, then we're going to believe everything you say. It, it just it's it's posh it. it's it's one of those where someone comes forward and says hey i was married you're like okay and then she's like yeah but i was divorced like, okay w- w- there's no reason to question we only have information from her so we're going to believe everything she says it's a rational thing you don't need a pasuk for it it's a svara so mar says okay you're right it's a svara but what do we do with that pasuk then okay fine if it's a svara and this pasuk is not telling you what is that pasuk teaching you so the Gemara says, El Marav. The Pasuk is teaching you something completely independent, and that's the teaching of Rafuna Marav. The first part of the Pasuk, which says the father says who sh- who, that he married off his daughter, just teaches you that a father can marry off the daughter biblically. If you I don't know if we we had this in the in Yavamis, it came up a lot that when Right, the whole concept of Mion, that's how it came up. That Mion ends a rabbinic marriage, and we always say, what's a rabbinic marriage? It's a girl under bar, mit- bar Mitzvah that got married off by her mother. But if she got married off by her father, it's biblical. What's the source? This Pasuk. Because he says, as biti nasati I married off my daughter. The Torah recognized it as a marriage when the father does it. Okay. Now, the last word, hazeh, what do you need the word hazeh for? It's a special halacha that the laws of Motsi Shemra do not apply to a Yavam. Motsi Shemra means um, if a man marries a woman and makes a false accusation about her, saying that she's not a Basulo when she is, he has to get lashes, he pays a financial penalty, and he's not allowed to divorce her unless she wants to get divorced. It's a special law of Motsi Shemra. The halacha is that Motsi Shemra does not apply to a Yavam. Meaning, let's say a, marry, a, a woman marries a man, and then before she goes to the chuppah, she, he, he dies. So she does yibum. And then the yavam makes a false accusation against her. He doesn't have all the penalties, because the penalties only apply to the case of the Torah, which is she was married to him, not a case of yibum. Okay, fine. Vaiter in the Gemara. Tanarabonon. I'm going to have to get a plug soon, but we're still good. Tanarabonon. This is an interesting concept. This Gemara, it's actually very interesting. This Gemara is dealing with um, cases where a person, it's like Pesha Sa Pesha Hitzer, where a woman tells people 
a woman says, I don't even know if, I don't know if it's testifying in court. I think it's a stam. Yeah, this is not, this is not, yeah. Yeah, this is not, first of all, this is not exactly in court, but this is not exactly Peshasa Peshahitr. You see, Peshasa Peshahitr is where they're, con- I, I mean, I want to make it clear. I said before, Peshasa Peshahitr is when they're contradictory. It's true, but it's contradictory that makes sense, right? Like, if I say, if I say, I, I'm, I was married, but then I got divorced, okay, that makes sense. You can get married and get divorced. But if I say, you know, I, I, I'm a white person, and then I say, I'm a black person, those are contradictory, but you can't be both. So that's not Pesha or Pesha Hitter. So the Gemara says the following. A woman says, she tells people she's married. And then she tells people, I'm single. Not that I'm divorced, I was never married. So she tells people she's married, and then she tells people she was never married. She's believed. Now that problem is, that doesn't make any sense, because that's not Pesha or Pesha Hitter. Pesha or Pesha Hitter is where it's, it's plausible. One of these was a lie. It can't be both. You can't be married and and never been married at the same time. And once you say you're married, we should believe you regarding like a neder. It's like any other neder. Once you say you're married, that affects certain things. It means you can't marry people, you can't marry, you can't, you know, you're an ashes ish. So why do we believe her to say that she's single? Why don't we go with her first statement? So the answer is, this is a very important side, and that's called Amasla. Amasla means what she's saying is plausible, meaning she gives a reason. The, the Gemara is going to give an example. What if when, what if she could tell you why she said she was married? Not, not she, she was lying, but she clarifies why she was lying. I'll give, the Gemara is actually going to give an example, which I've heard from some... There's some people from Hashivana, there's some... Uh, Sfaradish Bukharian girls that <laughs> it's funny. I, I've always always heard this, but now it's Mamish from the Gemara that when their grandmothers like hack them up to like marry certain guys, they say, Well, get married, you should get married, get married. And they don't want to like deal with it. So they always so they'll tell people, I'm engaged. I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Mazel tov, I'm engaged. And then of course they're not engaged, they're just lying to get out. So that's an example where we actually believe her because when she said she was married and then she says she's single, it's not, and one of them was a lie, but she gives an amasla, she gives a rationale behind it. She explains why she said it. Once, and, and it's believable. If what she's saying is plausible and believable, then we'll actually go with what she believed, what she says is the truth. Now, how far amasla goes, it's, it's unclear, but it's good to remember the word amasla because a lot of times when you're learning halacha, like when it comes to choshim mishma and all that stuff, they'll say, oh, was there an amasla? Amasla means a plausible reason for the lie. So let's see it inside. The Bryce simply says, A woman says, tells people she's married. And then she says, I was never married. She's not believed because it's a lie. But if she gives a rationale for why she said it, then she's believed. What's the example? There was a certain very hush of a woman, prestigious, beautiful woman, that was outside of, a, she was out of everybody's league. And men, like low guys, are trying to marry her, trying to marry her, and they're making her crazy, and they're, they're not on her level. So she says, She always just tells people, I'm married. I'm married, I'm married. That was the, the Mikudeshis. I, I, I did Kedushin already. You haven't met the guy, but I did Kedushin. She, just to get these guys off her back. 
Later on, she tells people, Mazatov, I just got engaged. So they said, Lacham said, What are you doing? I thought you were already married. So she said, She said, Yeah, when I'm being you know, harassed by guys that are, are low people, that are not on my level, I just told them I was married to get them off my back. But now that I met a guy who's who's matim, I got married. So the Chachamim believes her. That's an example of an Amasla where we actually believe the woman. This was a halacha that Ravacha Sarabir, that was his title, brought in front of Usha. They said, that if a woman gives an amasla, she is believed. Hold on one second. I want to get the plug. I'm not. I'm not going to stop the recording. It'll take me two seconds. Hold on. What is amasla? Amasla means a rationale for the lie, a reason, a plausible reason. So, so she said that she was married. So she said that she was married, which was a lie. But she explained why she said it. We believe her. Therefore, we understand why she lied, and we'll go with her second statement. Meaning, if a woman just that, says that, she... Yeah, that's sorry. Aramaic? What, what language is that? Amasla? Aramaic. One second. You guys are getting a good view of my chest, because I'm plugging it in. Okay. Fine. Right. Says the Gemara like this. Boi mine mirav. What if a wife tells the husband she's a nida, and then she says she's not a nida, and she gives an amasla? She explains why she said what she said. So she says, I was lying, but I was lying for the following reason. Do we believe her? Now, we just got finished saying, yes, if a woman gives an amasla, we'll, we'll go with her overall conclusion and that's you know that she's single in this case if a wife tells the husband hey i'm tame i'm anita and then and then i'll give it i'm gonna give an example of of something that maybe could happen she didn't want him to touch her in front of her family whatever it is she just tells the husband i'm anita then when the wife the family leaves she's like i'm not anita and then we could be together the question is and she gave an amasla legitimate amasla the question is do we do, do we believe her and do we say okay we believe you. Or do we say because Nida is such a fixable uh, solution, just go to the mikvah. We require her to go to the mikvah in the proper the proper procedure once she says she's a Nida. So that's the question. So the Gemara says, Amrle, Af Bazu, Im Nasna, go to the next page. If a woman gives an amasla, we believe her. We 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 understand what she's saying. So if she explains why she said she was a nida, but she not she really isn't, and she explains why she said she was, we believe her. The Gemara says Tani Zimni. Shmuel reviewed it from Rav forty times, said he wouldn't forget it. But Shmuel himself didn't act that way. Meaning the Maisa, there was apparently a story that Shmuel's wife said to Shmuel that she was an amasla. And she was a nida, and gave an explanation for why she said that. But she said she wasn't a nida, and Shmuel did not live with her. Shmuel, uh, you know, he, he wanted to avoid any halachic problems, even though technically it's mutter. He didn't. He didn't until she went to the mikveh. He didn't touch her. Okay, fine. Now, this sugya, it's a tricky sugya. It's not super hard until the end of the Gemara is literally, not almost word for word, but it's kimat, the same Gemara in Yevamis Pechesem and Beis, which, not to 
you know, um, not to, to like to self, you know, to, to, to try to sell our own product. But uh, I was in the car yesterday trying to prepare this. We were driving in the mountains. I got, I went on to the website, to the podcast, and I listened to Dafir Chesamit, Pei Chesamit Beis in, in Ivamis, and it helps. So that's why if you have a problem and it's a Gemara somewhere else, sometimes I'm more clear in another time. But the Gemara says like this, Tan Rabbanon, Shnaim Oim Two witnesses say that a man died. She's she's a widow. Shnaim Oim Loy and, but then two witnesses come forward and say, nope, he's still alive. Or, two people say, two witnesses say that a woman's divorced, and two people say she's not divorced. So you got two against two. So what, what do you do? She's not allowed to remarry. Because it's two against two. You got, we don't know who's saying the truth. But if she did marry, if she did get married, we'll let it be. But the Eved will let it be, and she can rely on the witnesses that say that she's a widow or a divorcee. Okay. That's the opinion of the Rabbonon. That it's Bidi Eved, it's fine. Rav Menachem Ber of Yossi, Omer, Rav Menachem Ber of Yossi says, no. Teitze, she has to get divorced. She cannot stay with her new husband, she has to get divorced. Omer, Rav Menachem Ber of Yossi, Amosai, when do I say that she has to get divorced? Bizman Shebo Edim V'Acher Kach Nisus. Says Yossi, and this is very important. When does Rav Nachman Bar Yossi require her to get divorced? When the two witnesses saying she's still married came, and then she got married. Meaning, what's the process? You have two witnesses says she's a widow, two witnesses says she's not a widow, and she got married. And the question is, when did she get married? So according to Rav Nachman Bar Yossi, like this: If two witnesses came forward and says that she's a widow, then she gets married. Then two witnesses come forward and say, you're not a widow. She could stay with her second husband. But if two witnesses come and say she's a widow, then two witnesses come and say she's not a widow, so it's two against two, and then she gets married, she has to get divorced. Okay. Because she got married after hearing the testimony of the witnesses saying that she's still married. But if she got married after the original witnesses said she's a widow, then after she's married the second guy, then witnesses come, let it be. Okay, so the Rabbanon always feel let it be, and Rav Nachman Yossi says, no, only let it be when she got married before the witnesses came forward. So the Gemara says like this, and this is a strange thing, and I remember I was listening to the daf where I gave it over, um, and what's strange about this is Be'iyun, trying to understand the Be'iyun, is very difficult, and that is, the Gemara understands, you have in both cases, right, let's say the, the Rabbanon, make it simple, you have two witnesses come forward and say she's a widow. Two witnesses come, she's not a widow. Two against two. The Rabbanon say she should not get married, but if she got married, let it be. Let it be. The question is, why doesn't she have to bring an? Doesn't he have to bring an Ashim Taloi? He's marrying a woman that might be an Ish. So the Gemara says, Michti He's marrying a woman that two witnesses says is single, but two witnesses says is still a married woman. He married her. The, the, the second husband should have to bring an Ashim Tali. You're telling me that he could stay with her. Doesn't he have to bring an Ashim Tali? To Safik Doraisa. So the answer is, The case is where the second husband is one of the witnesses saying that she that, that she's a widow. So he is, what we say, confident. Meaning, the case is where two witnesses come forward and says she's a widow. One of them is Reuven. Then two witnesses come forward and say, you're not a widow. And then Reuven married her. So the halacha is, 
Reuven could stay with her. I don't. Don't you have to bring an Ashim Tali? Answers. Ashim Tali only has to be brought if the person is in doubt, which is an interesting perspective of it. But if the person doing the action is one hundred percent confident that it's mutter, no requirement of a carbon. That's clear from the Gemara. It's interesting. It shows you how you look at a carbon. So the answer is the case. The reason why it's allowed is because the second husband is one hundred percent confident that he can marry her. How so? Because he's one of the witnesses who said she's a widow. So the Gemara says, what about her? But but why doesn't she have to bring a carbon? I he goof The answer is by Maris Barley. She's also confident. So she so the case is where it's two against two, but both the, the 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 wife and the second husband are confident that she's single. So because they're confident that she's single, there's no issue. Okay. So you have a machlokas between Rav Menachem Rav Yosi. Rav Menachem Rav Yosi, isn't it? Menachem Rav Yosi and the Rabbanon. Whether Bidiyeved, if it's two against two, whether she has to get divorced. According to the Rabbanon, she does not. She let it be. According to Rabbanon, Yossi, if she got married before the witnesses came for, after the witnesses came forward, she has to get divorced. What's strange is the following Gemara, and this will take us to the end of the daf. The case is, we've had a machlokas between Rabbanon and Rabbanon Yossi about a woman remarrying whether she's a divorcee or a widow, all the same. The Rabbanon feel lo teitze, Rav Nachem Rav Yossi says teitze. Rav Yochanan says the following cryptic shita. Om Rav Yochanan, Shnaim Om Rameis, you have two witnesses that say that a man died, she's a widow. Shnaim Om Loimes, two witnesses, she's not a widow. Harezu lo tinase, she should not remarry. Vimnesis lo teitze, but if she married, let it be, like the Rabbanon. But Shnaim Om Nizgarsha, that exact same case with divorce. So you have two witnesses that says she's divorced, and two witnesses that says she's not divorced. If she gets married, she has to get divorced. So by a widow, we'll let it be. By a divorce, we make her leave her second husband. So it's like, by divorce, he follows her in Rachel Yossi, but by widowing, by, de- by death, he follows the Rabbanim. What's the difference? Why is it that when they're testifying that she's a widow, let it be? She could stay with the second husband. But when they're testifying that, that she's a divorcee, you got to separate. What's the difference between divorce and being a widow? That's the kasha. So the Gemara is going to give three explanations as to what the pshat is, and that'll take us to the end of this Ahmed. So let's go through the three explanations. Explanation number one. Again, Rav Yochanan is saying that if a woman, um, two witnesses say she's a widow, two witnesses say she's not a widow, and she gets married, let it be. But two witnesses say she's a divorcee. Two witnesses say she's not a divorcee. And she gets married, you have to, she has to separate. What's the difference? So, explanation number one is Abaya. Targma be'ed echod. Eid echod oimer meis himnuo rabbonon olav kebe'etrei. Ukedu'ula darmul kamakum shemina tarid echod. Harekan shnayim. Vaidekomer le meis havalechad. Vindvar shalachem makum chad. Oh. The Gemara explains... <coughs> I'll say this outside, and we'll see it inside. And that is, the case really is not with two witnesses. It's really with one witness. So one witness says that she's a widow. If you remember from Yavamis, we said that when it comes to widow being testifying that a woman's a widow, to avoid Aguna problems, we accepted the testimony of one witness. So when one witness comes forward and says that she's a widow, that's the equivalent of two witnesses saying she's a widow. Then, later on, when one witness says that she's not a widow, it's not strong enough. And that's why, halachically, if she got remarried, we'll let it be. Because the Torah recognizes the single witness as two when it comes to agunas. 
But later on in the Brisa, where two people are, when one witness is testifying that she's a divorcee, the Torah doesn't recognize one witness when it comes to divorce. The Torah only recognizes it, I'm saying Chazal only recognizes it when it comes to Agunas. But when it comes to divorce, you need two witnesses. So one witness is nothing. So one against one is nothing. So therefore she has to she has to separate. So again, the first part of the Brisa that said that um, if there are witnesses that says she's a widow and the witness says she's not a widow, she shouldn't get married, but if she got married, let it be. That's talking about this one witness. So one witness comes forward and says that she's a widow. So the Torah really accepts that as two, because for Akuna problems, we accept one witness as two. So it's really two witnesses say she's a widow. Then even if one witness comes later and says she's not a widow, two beats one. There's one problem with this. Why then is it only Bidiyavid, right? If you're telling me that it's really one witness comes forward and says she's a widow, so it's the equivalent of two. So she is a widow fully. And then later on, one witness comes forward and says that she's not a widow, and that's why she's allowed to stay with her second husband. Then why can't? Why is it only Bidiyavid? Why is it in low nissus? Why is it don't get married? She should be able to get married. Two beats one. The Gemara says, Yihachi l'chachilo nami. The answer is, Mishum Ravasi. The Ravasi hasem mimcha akshes pev lozis vesech achim mimcha. It's a bad optic. The Pesach says you should avoid doing anything optically that's bad. So when you have one witness that says she's a widow, and then one witness says she's not, Although technically the one witness says she's a widow is believed like two, so it's two beats one, it still doesn't look good. So she shouldn't do a lechachila to avoid bad optics, but the evidence is fine. But in the end of the b'risa, where it's divorce, so one witness comes forward, she says she's divorced, she's not believed at all. That's why if she got married, based on that testimony, she has to separate. Meaning, the second part of the b'risa, so th- the question was, what's the difference between widow and divorce? The answer is, we're talking about one witness. And one witness is believed by being a widow, but not believed by, by divorce. Okay, that's answer number one. Answer number two is Rav. Lo'ilam no, really, no. It's a case of two witnesses. Two witnesses says she's a widow, two witnesses says she's divorced. What's the difference? If you remember, we had a machlekes from Nachman Rav Yaisi and the Rabbonon. The Rabbonon feel that Bidiyavid, when it's two against two, Bidiyavid, it's fine. Both by divorce and widowship. It's fine. Rav Nachman Rav Yossi feels in both cases you have to get divorced. Not fine. Right? Rav Yochanan follows Rav Nachman Rav Yossi that it's not fine only by divorce, but he follows the Rabbonon that it's fine by widow. Why? My time, what's the difference? The difference is, if you remember, listen, you have a case where there's people claiming that she's a widow or claiming she's divorced. Deep down, Chazal want her to investigate as well. We have this a little bit in Ksubis. And Yivamas. Chazal want her to investigate. She will naturally do a better job investigating whether her husband's alive or dead. Because if she gets it wrong and he shows up, she's messed up, right? If she claims to be a widow and witnesses claim she's a widow and goes through the divorce process and she's decided she's a widow and then the husband walks in, there's no, there's no getting out of that. She's just, her life is messed up. She has to leave her new husband. It's, it's a problem. That's why we're going to accept it when it comes to widow, because we're going to assume that she's going to investigate properly. But when it comes to divorce, she's not really as afraid. Why? She has witnesses said she's divorced, witnesses said she's not divorced. Is she really going to investigate it so much? Not really. Why? 
She'll just get remarried. If the husband shows up, he'll be like, what are you doing? She'll be like, we were divorced. She's able to just lie to his face and say she's divorced. So because she could do that, which you can't do when the husband shows up and you claim to be a widow. So because she could always just get out of it, she's not going to investigate it that much, and therefore we're not going to trust her. Therefore, because we're not going to trust her as much, if she did get married, we, we, we make her separate. That's the halacha. That's the difference between divorce and, and death. The Gemara just says, by divorce, we don't trust her because she's willing to lie to the husband's face and say she's divorced when she's not. The Gemara says, Will a woman do this? The halach is that if a woman says to the husband to his face, we're, we, we got divorced, the halach is we believe her. Because no woman would say that to her husband. It's chutzpah. Must be telling the truth. But I thought right now you're telling me that she will lie to, to the husband's face and say divorce. The answer is, The answer is she won't lie to his face if there are no witnesses backing her up. In this case, there are two witnesses that says she's divorced, two witnesses that she's not divorced. She's got backup. Therefore, she's not going to investigate because she's not worried. Worst case scenario, the husband shows up and finds out that she got remarried. She'll just say she got divorced, even if she didn't. I, I thought she wouldn't lie like that. She's got two witnesses already. So once she has witnesses that back up her story, she's willing to do it. That's answer number two of the distinction between divorce and widow. And Ravasi Omar, the last answer, I'll read it quickly and I'll explain. to Amra... The last answer is, the case is where the witnesses claim that she's a widow or divorce, it's they're claiming she's a widow or divorce right now. It just happened within the last week, let's say. So by widow, we accept it. But by divorce, we don't. Why? Because this is a case where she can't find the get. Right? She obviously can't find the get, because if she found the get, we wouldn't need witnesses. So what's the case? Two witnesses said she got divorced this past week. Two witnesses said she didn't. In addition to having the two witnesses that said that she's still married, she also can't find her get. We have a chazaka that people will hold on to the get for a little period of time. I understand a woman might lose her get 30 years later, but seven days after the divorce, she's not going to lose her get. So the reason why Rav Yochanan feels that if she got remarried after the divorce, she has to separate, is because in addition to the fact that you have witnesses coming forward saying she's married, the witnesses that said she got divorced said it just happened. If it just happened... Where is the get? She should have it on her. The fact that she can't find it is itself a reyesa. It's like a, a, a red flag to her story. So because she can't find the get and they're claiming she just got divorced, that's enough for Rabbi Yochan to say, you got to get out. But by widow, death is death. All right, we'll stop here and we'll pick it up tomorrow.